Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back to Dig In. This week, I've got all four founders of Dig with me. So we've got Ian, Paul, Dom, and Michael. Um, I hesitate to ask all of you at the same time, but how's everyone doing? And now none of us answer at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Monday afternoon. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, making, I'm getting through. I'm getting through. Dom, where are you right now? Are you at home? Yeah. Everyone's and Paul, you at the office? I am solo at the office. If you look around me, which you can't really see, there is zero people here today with me. Oh. I came in and I was like, hello, nobody. <laughs> Sounds like someone's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> Those pot lights behind me are like sitting on top of my ears. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. You're like directly centered around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Uh, The idea here is we're going to have you join the podcast a little bit more frequently so we can get a sense of what you guys think is happening within the market research world. We can talk about um, some of the cool stuff that we're building internally. But today I wanted to focus a little bit on essentially where we think the next generation of insights professionals um, are going, what we think that should look like. So we're going to talk a little bit about skills, um, you know, approach to insights or methodologies needed, um, you know, how, how aware people need to be of the business context with, with, within which they're operating and a little bit more. Obviously you have this amazing company now, um, you've had it for more than a decade, but sort of like what keeps you excited about being in this space? Like now that, you know, you've been in it for, we all know how you got here, but like what, keeps you here other than the fact that it's your company like what what excites you about the fact that you know you're still in market research or what's happening in the space today um yeah ian why don't you kick us off well i mean it's changed a lot i mean there's been a huge amount of change you know really particularly in the last sort of five six years with the rise of uh you know res tech and platforms and automation so you know when we started when we started dig there was you know there was some of that but it was very nascent and it we're talking about like survey monkey in its early incarnations and i think Qualtrics was kind of just getting off the off the ground really and it wasn't really so automated so things have changed significantly since we started dig and there's been as a result there's been massive investment in our, into our category and so i think that's it's that's been exciting and it's forced us to learn a lot of new things i think there's also the bits that, that haven't changed. Like what's always been true about the, re- the industry is that we exist to help companies understand people and understand what motivates them and understand what you might do differently to motivate them to change their behavior. And I think that's just intellectually really interesting. Like why do people do what they do? How might you change their behavior? How might you convince them of something? Like I've always really enjoyed even just the selling side of the industry, like selling projects to clients, because that's another way of sort of understanding people's needs talking to them in a relevant way, motivating their behavior. I think just as, as, a, as a person, I just find that really interesting to try to understand someone else and try to be relevant to them. And, and the tools, the ways that we do that have changed, but that underlying need hasn't changed. I, I kind of come from a different way. I mean, only because, you know, you guys have given such great answers that I don't think I could uh, be better at that, but it's the people I work with. 
that gets me, keeps me excited about it. I think everybody who's in market research. Oh, thanks, Paul. I, I, yeah, president company excluded. Uh, they're just such a genuine, nice people that uh, that we, you know, that have come worked in our company or worked in our industry. They they care about their clients and their needs, and you know, I, I just I see it more and more with not just the people who've joined our company, but even just those in the industry. Uh, just genuinely great people that, um, yeah, it just keeps me motivated to continue to work in this industry. Again, present company excluded. Yeah, except for, <laughs> except for yeah, I, I, I could. I can live with that, Ian. Aside from that, you know, great people. <laughs> Dom, do you have anything to add to that? Paul, that was like a very nice response. That was like a warm and fuzzy response. No, I, I just I agree with what they've all said. I think it's, you know, it's an industry that's changed over the years. We we're always, what I love about it is when a client comes to us for an engagement, it's usually, it's one of the most important things for their business that they need to figure out. So I figure like we're always working on the latest challenges. And so, you know, whether it was, you know, how companies navigate the pandemic or you know, whatever the case was, we were helping them figure out these new business models and changes. And I think that's, you know, like Michael said, we're, we're the intellectual challenge is really exciting. I, I do agree with Paul about the people, like the company that we have, like 200 of us a dig, I, I sincerely think of them as like my extended family. And I, I really, I mean, I, I, I miss going into the office and seeing people, but I think that's great. And then people outside of dig our our clients, our competitors, our partners, all just, it's a really great group of people in this industry. And going back to your previous question, most of them just fell into it. You know, like that's the weird yeah. thing. Like, it's not like people go to school and they're like, I'm going to study market research and this is my path. It's like they end up doing something else and then discovering there's this really cool way to make a living. And that, that's what I like about it. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because I feel like when you're in university or even like in high school, you kind of think to yourself, like, I want to be in this industry, but it typically never works out that way. Like I want to work in fashion, like, but your skills end up being used that you wanted to use in the fashion industry. Um, somewhere completely different. So it's like Michael I, and he still manages to work it in. So yeah, yeah. Very true. <laughs> I wanted to be in film, but I had no idea what that meant, how to do it or anything. So here I am. I wanted to be a vet, but I'm still holding the boom mic. I feel like though. <laughs> <laughs> boom. I mean, so we talked a little bit about, um, you know, tech and the huge impact that tech has had on the industry. Um, Michael, you were talking about how it's really interesting just to focus on like what's changing about the consumer. Um, you know, Paul and, and Dom, you just talked about how great people are in the industry, which is awesome to hear. But I'm wondering when we think about um, someone who's just starting out in their career and is looking at new jobs um, and they see a job posting for somewhere like Dig uh, within the insight space, what sort of like one skill that you think they really need to sort of bring to the table when it comes to working as an analyst within uh, a research company or on the client side. Don't all answer at once. Paul. <laughs> okay. <No. laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I would, my one thing that I've always kind of said is makes a really successful person in this comp, uh, well in this field is just problem solving skills, like just being resourceful and being able to solve challenges. Like not, not like, you know, you know, always needing somebody to tell you exactly what to do. It's a matter of how do you, how do you go about solving some of the challenges that you're faced with? Um, 
every time like we do all the, especially for us, a lot of the studies that we do are very customized to the client's needs. We've got to understand the client, got to understand the customer. We've got to figure out what their strategy could be. We're piecing together a lot of things. And by even just piecing those things together, we're, we're solving a lot of those challenges, a lot of those problems. So that skill overall, how that translates into like somebody actually applying and demonstrating it. I mean, it comes to different, different ways, but problem solving is like one of those key things I think makes somebody very successful in our area. Okay, Michael, you're allowed to go now. All right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I would say, obviously, there, there isn't one skill. It really depends on what sort of role you want to play within the company. So people who come in in a data analytics role, it might be a slightly different skill set versus people who come in through more of a consulting role. To me, one of the most important things, though, is it's a little consistent with Paul's, but slightly different is creativity. But abil ability to say, for example, see a data set and, and creatively think, okay, what are the implications of this? or the ability to hear a client challenge and creatively think, how might I address this? It's that ability to go beyond just like the literal, here's something that I have, here's a challenge that I have, here's some data that I have, here's a report template that I have, and to think, well, how can I take this one step further? Uh, I think that's really what sets someone who's really successful apart from someone that just sort of can, can sort of chug along. So you're saying if I applied for a job with Times New Roman, it's, uh, you know, on the, as a font, no, it's not going to get you anywhere? It's, it's not about design. Creativity is not about design. And going old school might actually be the most creative thing you could do. <laughs> I, would agree, I would agree with these guys, like problem solving and, and creativity. I was going to say curiosity, you know, like just the, the desire to answer questions. Like I remember it was some years ago and there was a, a young person who was working with us and they're no longer with us. And they, they were pulling data on some concept test. And I remember it's like a monadic test. There are four or five ideas the client had given us. And I remember asking them, I was like, oh, so which one looks like it's the winner? I'm like, oh, I haven't got to that part. I'm like, how have you not got to that? Like, that's, like, you've been working on this for a few days. Like, you, and yeah, so that like, lack how are of you curiosity was, yeah, exactly. And so I think just that idea to want to solve problems, and if you can do it creatively, all the better. But just to be curious, I think, is, is really at the heart of what we do for a living um, is important. Yeah, I think, you know, if, if all you're doing is the very basics, if all you're doing is saying, you know, this cell was statistically significantly higher than that cell, um, that's not the future of our industry because those things will be automated. And those, even, even the commentary for very basic things like that will just be done by AI. So unless you have the ability to tell a story out of the data, you, you're really not going to have a place in the, in the very near future in our industry. That's a really good point, actually. And it kind of leads me on to another question around, you know, how much influence technology is having on market research and the way that we conduct market research, um, sort of this word gets overused with democratizing insights across um, companies. I mean, when someone, maybe not just starting out, but do you feel like being comfortable or being open or maybe it's curiosity to use sort of new methodologies and leverage technologies? Do you think that that's um, sort of a prerequisite for entering market research these days? No. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's nodding and you're just abstract. No. Yeah, for no, anyone who no, can't no. see this, everyone was nodding and Michael was just immediately. He just wants to re remain relevant. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. This is this technology no. thing. I mean, realistically, it's every it's it's every role everywhere is somewhat going to be impacted by that. I mean, that's a good point. You yeah. know, the average company has I don't know how many SaaS applications they're using at any given time, 
you go into any company and you're going to need to be able to quickly learn how to use, you know, Notion, for instance, is, you know, gets hot or Miro gets hot for a while or whatever it is. And if you are not able to keep up with those things, you, it's not going to do you well anywhere, let alone in market research where you're expected to be able to analyze data quickly with whatever the newest tools are. So definitely you need to be comfortable with applications and technology. It doesn't mean you necessarily have to be a developer, um, but you definitely yeah. need to be comfortable. Yeah. Everyone agree? I mean, I, I don't think anyone disagrees. I think, you know, I was speaking to somebody today about even just hiring for sales roles and say, if you don't, if someone doesn't come in and have, you know, proficiency in a lot of different tech stacks that enable sales, it's been, it's the same with marketing too. If you don't understand the technology that's used by marketers today, like it's, you're at a disadvantage. So everybody that, even if it's just something as basic as understanding Tableau, like looking at what, what types of software that exists that help you understand patterns and data and make sense of information, um, those are just kind of critical just to actually bring us a, a sense of being able to interpret information in a different way. I think just even that skill set is important. Yeah. I mean, I like the, the nod to data visualization because we're actually working on a campaign for dig right now around data storytelling and data visualization. And I've had a lot of conversations with people around, um, I guess to Dom's point, like curiosity, to use those new tools. So as a researcher, like telling a story by being able to visualize it in sort of a new way or an effective way. Um, but we've also, I've had conversations with people of like, do researchers also need to have design the ability to like design things in a visually appealing way? Like, is that also something that people have to add to their, their skill set? I guess. Um, would you say that researchers now in order to tell like a concise story have to be, quasi designers as well yeah that's what you mean by designer like if you mean like pure graphic design no i think they need to be able to distill things and make them look reasonably good and then maybe on really high profile stuff you bring in a professional designer but i think i think any researcher should be able to take some data and make it look at least decent sorry paul i think i interrupted you you know it's funny like right now all our biggest uh <laughs> one of the biggest assets you could have is just like being able to use PowerPoint proficiently and being able to design mm. charts that look good. But a lot of that is also changing. Like had I known in school that my biggest skill set coming out of it would be like to be stellar designer in PowerPoint, I think it would have been like exceptional at any job that existed. Like. <laughs> but since I'm mediocre at this one, um, but like today there's so much like uh, dashboarding automated tools and stuff like that even gets away from the need to even know that. So it's not like you need to be a designer. You just need to know really what looks good and, and really kind of what's easy to interpret. I think there's a lot of tools that assist, assist in that, but it's finding the right ones that actually make it easier to understand. There's a lot of dashboards that make it completely harder to understand that information that you get. But the ones that actually are good at interpreting the information and presenting it in a, a really compelling way, those are the ones that I think people will start to lean more on in the future to actually use in uh, in some of their reporting. Nice. I had one additional thought on technology, and this, this is not my thought, but, but I saw someone share this online and I thought it was sort of interesting, is, you know, there is this old idea of how technology or AI specifically would sort of disrupt things. It would start at the bottom of the food chain. So it would start with the most basic tasks and sort of automating those and then work its way up and work its way up and work its way up. And what's actually happened is that it's sort of been in the reverse of that. 
Whereas a lot of these chat GPT AI models are actually really good at quite sophisticated things and not quite as good a lot at a lot of these rudimentary things. So I, the broader point there is that we can't anticipate how tech is going to disrupt things. The best thing that we can do, I think, is remain open to tech and try to think about how we can incorporate it and even collaborate with it. And that's how we remain relevant. Because again, this, this whole sort of model of like how we think it's going to play out is often the exact opposite of how it actually plays out. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I've been listening to Michael. He does have a TikTok account, so. <laughs> I do. <laughs> how many How many followers are we up to now? Like five. Five? Five more than me. You're looking it's at mostly dancing. It's yeah. mostly dance videos. <laughs> it's like all viral dances. And makeup <laughs> tutorials. Those two things. Yeah. He does mostly. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm. Uh, I want to. I want to take us in the direction of thinking about like as someone is already in the market research field, uh, where they're already working in insights, whether that's at an agency or on um, a, the client side. And I want to talk about like what good looks like in that situation. Um, so I was going to ask you like, what's one skill set as a senior insights professional you need to have in your toolkit? Um, but I think I'm going to slightly re-engineer the question and say. Is there anyone that you can think of that you've worked with in the past or one of our clients um, that's really good at their job? And like, what makes them really, really good at their job? Ian Ash. <laughs> There's so much love in this room right now. It's yeah. amazing. He's so good at his job. <laughs> you would say, what's good, what is good looking like, right? I was going to say Dom. Good looking, right? That's there. fair. That's what good looks like. That was a perfect dad joke. Loved it. Uh, it's such a pat answer, but I mean, the reality is it's just like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, jobs where people need to learn relatively quickly, but I think market research really demands that you have the ability to learn really quickly because not only do you need to be up to date on the technology and data analysis techniques and all of the rest of that, but you also need to be able to quickly understand your clients' requirements and understand their business. And that often takes a lot of additional research as well for you to really understand how their business works, how they make money. Um, and so ultimately, I think the people who who really do the best in this in this industry are the ones who just have the ability to learn the fastest. Um, mm. They're not necessarily deep, deep experts on a specific thing, but they have the ability to learn things really quickly. If I could add one thing to that too. I think what, what sometimes we don't necessarily make overt is that the industry, like many industries, is very strongly relationship-based. When you're getting advice from someone, you take advice from someone you trust. And a lot of the really good people in this industry, both client-side and supplier-side, are really good at building trusted, trusting relationships as advisors. And I think that is, there's no science to that. I don't know exactly how it happens, but um, people's ability to do that really sets the best apart from, from the very good. It starts with dancing on TikTok. Well, yes, of course. Uh, I think those are both brilliant answers. So I got nothing to add. Those are really good. Ooh, someone else is in the office now, Paul. Yes. Someone else is in the <laughs> office now. It's not just me. <laughs> uh, Dom, did you have anything you wanted to add there? No, no. I'm okay. Not. All right. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. You'll be back in a month. You don't know it yet, but you will be to record another episode. Um, and we will be back with another episode of Dig In next week.
Talk to you guys soon. In the office. In the office. Thanks, Thanks Megan. Bye. Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights. And don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.